Imagine Nazareth, abuzz with news about their hometown hero. The rumor mill tells us that he's filled with power, that he's got that spirit of Elijah swagger. I don't know what that was like, but maybe you can imagine that bald-headed swagger. Those who are with John and Jesus at the River Jordan say that when they were there and Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens thundered and a voice came and bellowed, My son, my beloved. He's on his way back home. So don't miss Saturday night's synagogue service. He's one of the scripture readers And he might even do a sermon. Can you imagine the local talk at the clay pot water cooler? Oh, Mary and Joseph must be so proud. I remember when I was his synagogue Sunday school teacher. He was always such a fine young lad. The grapevine at Nazarene Community Church is probably similar to the grapevine at FBC. For better or for worse, stuff milling around, rumors flying hither and yon. Saturday sundown approaches and Jesus comes, gets to town and has a quick meal with mom and dad and his siblings. And then he's off to the synagogue and it's packed. It feels like half the town is there. And Nazareth is only a town of maybe 300 people. It's the usual pattern of worship, a a couple of sung psalms or hymns, and then the Shema from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Lord, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your might. And then a reading from the book of Moses, and then a reading by choice from one of the scrolls of the prophets. And so Jesus, being the appointed reader, saunters up to the scroll box and intentionally chooses the scroll of Isaiah. Like a man on a mission, he hones in on a certain section of the scroll, these words that are burning like fire in his soul. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. He has sent me with the commission to announce good news to the poor to proclaim release to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to send off the oppressed with liberty, to proclaim an acceptable year of the Lord. Aunt Helena leans over to her sister and whispers, With such authority! What's got into that young man? Mary must be so proud. She elbows her son, Jedediah. Why can't you be more like Jesus? Jesus hands the scroll to the worship leader. And then he sits down on a stool and he delivers this sermon. It's, it's one of the shortest in recent memory for those who go to the synagogue on a regular basis. Oh, people of Nazareth, my hometown friends, my neighbors, today the scripture which you have heard is being brought to fulfillment. Hear the gaffes and the oohs and the ahs. And we're going to stop right here in this moment of time in the story because 
If you read further, it gets super crazy, super quick. But we want to hold this present moment. Jesus' local homegrown boy, Carpenter's son, has just, as some would say, dropped the mic. Kaboom! Could it be that all the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, Jesus, Carpenter's son? Those words that you've quoted from the prophet Isaiah, 500-year-old words, are now coming to fruition here in our midst, in you, through you. Jesus has really blown the people's minds. He's unveiled in this prophetic reading this twofold idea. Number one, that he too is a prophet. Like Isaiah, his vocation is forth-telling. On behalf of God. But then, secondly, this is how God is going to work in the world. Here, now, Jesus says, today. And somehow, God, Yahweh, is getting this major reboot for the people of Israel. The great reveal is that the son of David, the root of Jesse, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is here. Now, alive, flesh and blood, in our midst, in this moment, in the form and name of this lowly carpenter's son, Jesus. Imagine being in that place, in that synagogue, in that moment. Because this Lucan good news will be what repeats week after week and chapter after chapter as we keep on moving through Epiphany and the season of Lent. Story after story will have this nugget of life-altering, Jesus is here now, and you can get in on the work of Jesus now. This is Jesus' elevator speech. Have you heard that phrase before? What's your elevator speech for your business or your life or um, the company that you're representing? It's that 10-second message that you can share from um, floor 5 to floor 2 in the elevator. This is Jesus' elevator speech. What you been up to, Jesus? Good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and sending the oppressed off with liberty. And so for us in this season of Epiphany, if we're needing a reboot, kind of a, a realigning our vocation, might we take a cue from the Lord? Because... As that famous hymn says, we are prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Even in our confession prayer, it was interesting that Don was talking about confession prayer, because I want to talk about it too. We are wanderers. We lose sight of things. Even the phrase from the confession prayers, God, you know how soon we fall back into old habits. So if we've wandered, if we've um, maybe feel a bit lost in our vocation as Christians, as those who follow Jesus for the good of the world, take this cue from Jesus. What does it look like for us and me to proclaim good news to the poor, to release captives, to help the blind recover their sight, to help the oppressed go off with liberty. That's quite the image. It's quite the, the call for us. And um, Walter Brueggemann, who we often quote here, calls this restoration. 
And he gives some practical words about what that restoration might look like. It's a radical revision of the political economy. It's decreasing indebtedness. It's somehow, some way, leveling the playing field so that the haves are closer to the have-nots. He writes, wherever the economy is rigged to favor the haves at the expense of the have-nots, though we haves treasure economic stability, Jesus insists otherwise. Jesus invites fresh thinking and bold action that will permit the economically vulnerable to share in the well-being of our society. It fits in line with what we hope to do week after week in this place with our mission statement from Jeremiah. We seek peace and well-being in the city. And I think that resonates with Brueggemann saying, wherever the economy is rigged in favor of the haves, we try to do otherwise. And as you know, the culture here at First Baptist Church, or hopefully you know this, is that we try to poke and prod you with these words from the prophets and from Jesus, but we're not trying to do it so that you're ashamed and paralyzed. We do it because we want to join in on God's good work in the world. And when it comes down to it, the heart of Jesus' mission, the heart of God is this, good news for the poor, releasing captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, sending off the oppressed with liberty. And so just for 30 seconds, can we pause and see or imagine what that might look like for us this week? Where are the places where we can bring and be good news or release or help the blind see? Just going to pause for 20 or 30 seconds.